from the pages of Wrestling Remembered comes Where Are They Now? Our own Jimmy Farrow. Even though Jimmy's missing in action from the show for the past couple months, his chair is just waiting for his return. Currently, Farrow is on break from the show and is soaking up the sun with his love in Florida. Ron Shaw. Last we saw Ron, he and Monty buried the hatchet on an episode of Monty and the Pharaoh. Since then, Ron was seen threatening to punch a director after not receiving a role on the senior edition of the Jersey Shore. Currently, he can be seen beating up drunks at his country club. John Cena Sr. John Cena Sr. quickly became a friend of the show during the Thursday Night Wars. Currently, Mr. Cena can be found making his world-famous hot sauce. Daniela Petro. Former co-host Daniela was terminated for breaking the code of conduct of Monty and the Pharaoh and has returned to a life of irrelevance and posting about Matt Riddle on X.com. That's all for this week. Make sure to check out Wrestling Remembered for your weekly dose of wrestling history. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Farrow, only seen here out of Indie Music Studios, straight out of Ronkonkoma, Long Island. At the board, probably the greatest producer of all time. Abe, how are you? Doing good, man. How you doing? All right. How'd you like the uh, Where They Are Now? <laughs> I liked it a lot. I think it was really good. Very creative. <laughs> you know, when I talk, you know, when I think about the family and the years we've been doing the show now, there's been so many great moments from Jimmy singing with the wrestlers to, you know, they brought up Ron Shaw, the fight with Ron Shaw that literally went on for a year when he freaked out on me. Um, Marty Jannetty attacking me. Good God. And helping us out tonight is Bruce from ESO, who helped create Where Are They Now? How are you, Bruce? Hey, what's going on, guys? How'd you like that? How'd you like that? Where they are now? I kind of had a good time with it. (laughs) Hey, it just came out. It just came out of uh, the whole wrestling remembered, you know, the the uh, old wrestling magazine look that we were going through. And we've got some other cool stuff coming up. I have a picture of Benny as a pen pal. Oh, boy. Back in, that's, I believe that's it was 1968. So and joining us tonight, <laughs> pro wrestling superstar, my new hero, Mr. Mike Kalua, King Kalua. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for joining us. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. This sounds like it's going to be interesting. When I saw the first time I've saw Ron Shaw in probably 30 years. <laughs> well, you know, King, you mentioned you you're know before much. we started the show, you're like, you know, you guys are going to get a little independent wrestling history. A little, little surprise to you. We're a little bit different. Um, I know you've been on a lot of shoot interviews considering, you know, the prestige of your career. 
But this is a little bit different. We talk about wrestling, but we also talk about world affairs and life in general. So we're really looking forward to hearing about your career and your thoughts as a wrestler. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a news item. I'm going to ask you to weigh in if possible. Tell me what you think. Um, in some case, it's a little bit serious. some case, a little fun. Paris Hilton explains why she didn't change her son's diapers for the first month. On a recent episode of the reality show, Paris in Love, Hilton asked her sister, Nikki Hilton, should I learn how to change his diaper about her new newborn son, Phoenix? Paris Hilton admitted, okay, I'm scared, as she revealed to her sister that she had not yet personally changed her one month's old diaper. I said, would you do this on my birthday? But I will try for you, she told her baby boy. Anything for Phoenix. Thoughts on the privileged Paris Hilton having a child and not even <laughs> learning how to change his diaper. <laughs> well, let me say first off, right off the right off the top, I hate reality TV. Absolutely <laughs> detest it. Right? Uh, it's just all schlock. I mean, honestly, pro wrestling set the bar for that. Right? In terms of reality TV. But I just just totally can't stand it. Now, Paris Hilton not wanting to change a diaper. I, I, if Paris Hilton was walking down the street, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even look twice at her. But I have to say this. When I was about to become a father, I said, you know what? You know, uh, my wife doesn't work. Let her change the diapers. You know what? I ended up changing the diapers. And I got pretty good at it. So... You know, hey, it's no big deal. But I guess for Paris Hilton, it is. So other than that, I don't care about it. <laughs> well, let me ask you about it. the first time you, you changed your child's diaper. <laughs> what was it like? Were you, were, were you scared? Like, what, like what, were, what were your thoughts? You know what? It was like, all right, well, you got these. I could imagine if it was back in the day when you had, like, cloth diapers. Mm. But with the, with the Pampers, it was like, okay, throw this one out, put this one on, all right, make sure you don't break her legs, and, <laughs> and that's it. You there know? you go. And so it was no big well, deal. Well, I, I think yeah. the, <laughs> I, I think the fear ahead. comes from, have you seen what that kid looks like? He's definitely an alien, so who knows what's coming <laughs> out of it. Wow. Dude, you can't attack Paris Hilton's child. That's just wrong. Look, you come on your first show and you're attacking Paris Hilton's kid. Wow. Well, okay, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Listen, well, I think Paris know, Hilton's well, a little hot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't she's say anything okay, about her. but that, that's, I think that you would call that high maintenance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, of course, she can, she can afford the maintenance. But I don't even know who's, who's the baby daddy. I have no, I have no, no clue. You know, it's funny, Mike. I don't either. I don't. I haven't thought about Paris Hilton until this show when I saw the news article. I was like, wow, I had forgotten she even existed. And I'll oh, forget she okay. existed <laughs> 10 minutes from now. <laughs> but was this the serious part? I thought you were going to talk. You were going to talk to me about Gaza or the election. Well, that Paris might be Hilton. coming up, but I do have a serious part for you. So the show has known Marty Janetti for quite a long time i'm sure you know Janetti also um recently you know marty's ventured into the podcasting himself like many of the wrestlers have and they've been highly successful 
Marty's show, not so much. But I'm a big fan of Marty as a friend, or I'll try to call him a friend. But on his last show with Rob Van Dam, and he said this to me before, but I don't know why I got so offended. Um, I tried to find the video to show you, but they took it down because they're playing it later tonight. But he basically was saying that if you work a nine-to-five job, you're a loser. So I'm going to play this little audio that uh, Marty sends to our cast here every so often when he goes on one of his bends. But then I'm going to ask you your thoughts about what really, what do wrestlers really think about the fans or think about people that do a nine-to-five job? You want to play that audio real quick? Mutt, mutt, Merle, mutt, mutt, Merle, mutt, mutt, Merle, my mutt. Is that is that the new jingle bells? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Got me singing that Mutt Mutt Merle. No, I like that song. I just wrote it the other day. Remember, Mutt Mutt Merle, Mutt Mutt Merle, Mutt Mutt Merle. But it being Christmas, you can you know throw the jingle bells on it. Mutt Mutt Merle, Mutt Mutt Merle, Mutt 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 Merle. <laughs> I don't know, brother. You, Bruce, you <laughs> something's wrong with you. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's Marty for you. So, Mike, on a serious note, the, I felt like when Marty got around his brothers, right, because you guys are your little, you know, your family, right, that wrestling family beyond your regular family, I felt his yeah. true colors might have come out with his comments. What do wrestlers think about the fans out there? And then to you, because you're – you know, you've got a regular job now, and you do very well for yourself. What do you feel about those comments? I was a bit offended, to be honest with you. Well, you know, uh, I guess think that that was Marty being Marty. You know, when you're one of the guys, um, it, it's sort of different. You know, we don't we don't take anything personally. At least I don't. You know, um, people all have their own ways of making money. Uh, for me, you know, I've always had a nine to five and that, that probably hurt me in my, in the beginning part of my wrestling career. But when I, uh, became a parent and I had two kids that had, uh, some developmental issues, uh, I sort of said, you know what, I, I can't be on the road 360 days out of the year. So always having a regular job was always, that was always part of the, Part of the um, um, part of the whole process, but you know what? What is really good about it is that okay, so I'm not doing it 360 days out of the year. It's still fresh to me, you know. So I still enjoy doing it. Um, do I need the money? No, certainly not, right? But it's just the it's just it's just being able to perform. And and to me, that's the real uh, that's the real joy I get out of it. You know, yeah, my, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get paid a hot dog um, or anything like that. I'll negotiate my price if I get it. That's fine. If you can't afford me, that's okay. I'll stay home, right? But um, yeah, having a nine to five, that's uh, you know, right now my house is paid off. Uh, I could retire if I want, but I just enjoy what I do. Regardless, regardless whether it's wrestling or whether it's doing my nine to five. Now, as, as far as the wrestling fans are concerned, um, 
I've been around them my entire life, and uh, to me, they're just they're just the audience, you know. So I don't I don't judge them either way. You know, I'm going to be in West Virginia this Saturday, uh, completely different type of audience than what I might get get in Philadelphia, but you know what? If they enjoy this sport, that's okay. If they're going to spend money, that's okay. They're going to help pay my bills. If they're going to buy my T-shirts, buy my merchandise, that's fine with me. So uh, I'm pretty much laid back when it comes to uh, when it comes to like wrestling and the people around it. I'm very tolerant. I understand there's people who are overboard. Some people they're not. It, it's all it's okay to it, it's okay to me. Now Marty, I actually was supposed to wrestle Marty down at the Baltimore Civic Center in about, I guess it was like 1987, 88. Uh, he got stuck in Chicago, and it was a combined NWA, AWA show. He never made it. And so uh, I actually only met him once or twice, and I, I think he was talking like, like he already knew me. So I'm like, well, not really. I'm supposed to arrest you once, but you didn't make it. So... It's kind of interesting, but Marty's Marty's a good Marty's still a good guy, still a good guy. And I agree with you. He's always been nice to you know nice to me. He's always been a great uh, participant in this show. Let me let me go another way with it then. Um, you're successful outside, of, also not just being a wrestler, but outside your in your regular life, you've you're extremely successful. The boys. And, I, you know, again, I'm just a fan who does a show. Bruce is just a fan. But the boys, from what I've experienced in my short time doing this, is they're always trying to work you. Work you one way <laughs> or another. They know you're successful. Have you ever been – have they ever tried to work you? You know, they, they know you're doing well, and they ever try to work you out of your money? No. No, I, I, I think because I've been around so long, that uh, there's a level of respect there where, where they wouldn't try and they, they wouldn't try and um, work me for anything. And that and then and I'm, I'm too smart to be able to fall for anything that would be uh, really uh, dis <laughs> uh, disadvantageous to me. So I'm not going to make that mistake. So I think the boys realize that um, I've been around the block. I'm experienced, and so I'm not going to fall for anything that's um, uh, that that that's not in my best interest. Mm. So, so it, it, in my in my experience so far with dealing, I, you know, my my limited experiences, it's not only the the wrestlers but also the agents. It's it, it seems like one's working the next person to work the next person, and you know, uh, it, it, it it's been quite a, quite an interesting experience through that. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone. Uh, I would say that if you don't have. Um, a, a regular, a regular paying gig to fall back on. You're always trying to sustain yourself and get that next show, and especially once you're done with the with the big organization, you're trying to get the best deal from as many of these local promoters as you can. And a lot of guys are trying to get um, you know as as much money as they can, and you have to reach out to some of these new promoters because the promoters. Uh, turnover, um, I would say, every two or three years. Uh, they'll have some money. They'll promote a few shows. They'll lose their shirt. 
and then there's somebody else to come along. So as a wrestler, especially one who uh, has a name and can ask for more money, uh, they have to set their next moves up, uh, like one, two, three at a time, so that they, so that they can sustain that work coming in. Mm. No, it's a, it's 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 good points. I appreciate you you a- answering these questions. All right, um, I'd like to thank our own Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner, Bark Riggs. They make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life Not Far Behind, Here Comes the Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Go to Spotify, Apple Music, Reverb Nation. If you didn't know it, you are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Farrell. Catch us on the Monty and Farrell YouTube page, Facebook Live page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. The Monty DeFaro Twitch TV page. You also catch us on New York Cable, where you'll see our special guest, King Kalua, on a reduced version of this interview on Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. and Saturday at 11.30 a.m. and Channel 20 at Tuesdays at 7 p.m. where over 150,000 viewers see us weekly. We're also part of something called the Intuitive Network. The Intuitive Network, that's I-N-2-I-T-I-V-E Network. It's a free app. It's like a uh, startup um, Netflix You've got documentaries on there. You've got comedy. You've got music videos. You've got the whole gamut. And the best point, we've been selling this to all our family out there, whoever watches this show. It's for free. Just download it and get to watch all this wonderful programming. And who's leading the way? Long Island's number one pro wrestler and broadcast, Monty Nefaro. We'll be back after this commercial break where we get to have a long conversation with this Pro wrestling superstar Mike Kalua. We'll be right back. Sir? Ah. Manscaped? Uh huh. Uh, you know, have you tried the new equipment that's been sent? I'm afraid because it says Weed Whacker. I'm scared. Maven, Manscaped, what are you thinking about Manscaped, dude? Love it. What do you use it for? Necessity. What don't I use it for? Put it this way. (laughs) The only hair I have on my entire body is these eyebrows. Yeah. That you see. These caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. That is it. That's all all I have. And that's all I want. So Manscaped is a must. We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse than just hair. Yeah. Right? Hair on a woman, hair on a man, it's just bad. Absolutely. And it's the one thing that the older I get, it starts growing more in unwanted areas. Absolutely. I hate it. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Just going to go out there. Oh, boy. Go for it. You're doing a deed. Yes. <laughs> Again, I don't want you to have to admit this because we, as men, we try not to admit this. But if you're going to oh, go do I a know deed it. on a woman, I know would you rather going. have her be ch- Hairless or a little hair, racing stripe or <laughs> racing stripe. full retro bush. <laughs> racing well, stripe. Retro bush is out. Yes, thank you. Retro bush is out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a small, well manicured landing strip. <laughs> Every now and then, if it's completely, and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, mm. then I, I start, where is that pedophilia line? 
that I'm that I'm I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that. I That's very interesting. Like that. I never thought about wow. that. You're a smart dude. Holy yeah. shit. So if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly, you're cool with that. If the landing strip is has like I said, well manicured. Yeah, you yeah. can see both sides. It's not like blinking lights on both sides of that. Plane? I just don't. I don't want. <laughs> you know, I don't want the shrubbery going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that. Gotcha. As well. Oh, yeah, look but what you found. Ooh. I got to be all honest gotcha. though. Hey. The, ah. <laughs> the older I get, though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, I as, found it. Have, I found have it. Have you ever gone down there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? Then what is retro? Just, Absolutely. Retro? You're like whoa. Wow. Yeah, like, a like it pops out. Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, try, I muster through. I muster up the <laughs> courage. Gotta, to get he's a trooper. <laughs> yeah. He's a trooper. <laughs> gotta give him an. Yeah, wow. Not all. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I, there you no, go. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> listen, I couldn't. Super Bush. I couldn't say it. Well. If you have the same beliefs as Maven does, Manscaped could help you. Absolutely. The weed whacker. Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to, like, you know, go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the weed whacker for a little while. Yeah, I think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but with that, we're going to take a quick Batman. commercial break and anyway. we'll be back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We will see you in a drop kick second. A uh, drop kick second. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Afaro, where we have the great King Kalua. Thank you, sir, for joining us, sir. How are you? First, Mike, I got to tell you, we had Ricky Steamboat on last week, and I cannot believe how much you look like Ricky Steamboat. I'm like, this guy's a dead ringer from Ricky Steamboat. Number two, I can't believe how good you look. Man, you're a good-looking man, and what are you doing to keep in shape and, and stay that good-looking? What's going on there? Oh, geez, you're flattering me now. I'm, I'm turning red, but I'm 210. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the funny thing about it, you should say uh, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, back in uh, – are you, are you familiar with the, uh, with the name Mark Tendler? I am, sir. Okay, so he used to run shows out in Long Island, and he would uh, sort of take some of us, and they would throw like a big star's name around us. All right, so one guy, I don't know if you remember Lou Fabiano, he was Bruno Sammartino Jr., and uh, I was Mike Steamboat Kalua. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> if it sells tickets, it sells tickets. But uh, it is funny. I had a, I worked an angle with uh, his brother, uh, Vic Steamboat, up in uh, New England for Mario Savoldi's uh, group. And uh, we had the Hawaiian versus Hawaiian match. But, uh, yeah, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to keep it together. I'm in, the gy- I'm in the gym six days a week. No supplements. Um, do I go in the tanning booth? Yeah. I tell people fat looks better when it's darker. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's how I, that's how I keep up with it. And that's why I'm still, that's why I'm still wrestling. If, if, if I look sloppy, in my opinion, if I look sloppy, yeah, it's time to hang it up. But right now I'm in extra innings. Well, look at you, man. Cause I was just thinking, I was just thinking like, Man, this guy's in great shape, and you know we're we're close in age. You're a little bit older, but I'm like, 
I don't think I could take my shirt. I don't even take my shirt off in my bedroom with my wife. I'm so embarrassed, <laughs> much less than in a wrestler ring. Kudos to you, man, for keeping in shape like that. And I think being as fat as I am, I think I got to start tanning too. That might be the key. What do you think, Bruce? <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. If that's the key, I'm, I'm with you. I'll be in the tanning booth hey, tomorrow. <laughs> hit the tanning booth and get that get that manscaping product you had on the commercial. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Mike, you know, shockingly enough to me today, no one has realized that today is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, right? I have not not one person has mentioned that to me, which personally was disappointing, which we could talk about the state of the country after this question. Mm -hmm. Your father was a World War II vet. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a good opportunity for you to share uh, your relationship with your dad and your mom and maybe, you know, give the flowers to your father for serving this wonderful country. Well, yeah, my father was a 20, 23 or 27 a year vet of the Navy. Uh, of course, he would have been old enough to be in um, in World War II. He, for a while, he was uh, Admiral Halsey's steward before the war. All right. So, if you know anything about military history, Admiral Halsey was a pretty high up there guy. So, um, but my father, uh, he was born in the Philippines. Uh, when the Philippines was still in American territory, and uh, like many of his friends, ended up joining the joining the Navy, um, coming over here, marrying a white woman, my mom, and um, so my dad. If you would see my dad, you would say, "No way, is he my dad?" Was he my dad? He was about five one, maybe a hundred and thirty pounds, quiet great person there's there's not anybody that had anything ever nothing bad to say about him so when um in his you know in his older age when i was seen with him and they would see me and i'm like you know about six foot you know back in the day about 240 pounds they said he he's not his kid but yeah that's the way it was and uh, a military family. I was born in. Um, I was built. I was born in a naval hospital. Um, all of my health care was at a naval. But was in the was at the uh, was at the uh, um, uh, at, at, at naval hospitals wherever I had to go. And so uh, that's how it was on my uh, on my uh, father's side. Now my mother's side. My mother was was more of the Spitfire. So I think I have more of her personality. Uh, but one of the funniest stories that I have about my mom, she hated wrestling. She hated wrestling. And so one time she, she told me, you know, I was at church and I was saying prayers so that you would stop wrestling. And I said, Mom, you could pray for something more important like world peace or world hunger. Not me stopping wrestling because I don't see myself stopping wrestling. So I was like, well, okay. So, uh, but mom actually went to one show and this is a funny story because uh, Steve Carino uh, was promoting this show in Philadelphia and so um, my mom was living in Philadelphia 
And uh, I stopped at her house before the show just to say hi. And I said, yeah, I'm wrestling down this, you know, down the, you know, the uh, not, not too far away. So, and I, I'm just joking with her. I said, yeah, you want to come? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? You've never seen me wrestle. So she came um, and, uh, and, and, you know, Steve and I were, were pretty tight. After the match, and of course I'm evil. I'm 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 a I'm a bad guy, and so Steve grabs the mic and he was promoting the show, and he said, "That's me, you know that this is King Kalua's mom. She has not seen him wrestle ever." And at the time, I was about maybe 15 years into the uh, into the business, and she said, um, and she introduced him. Her, you know, she she introduced uh, her. And she got a big pop from the crowd. And I'm saying, isn't that ironic? So, yeah, that's the story with, with my family and wrestling. When you go to your parents and you're like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to be a pro wrestler. What do they say to you? Like, you know, because even back then, right, wrestling, you know, kind of was that dirty little secret. So what did they say to you? I don't think they knew. Because I wasn't living at home uh, when I decided to become a wrestler, so I don't think they—I don't think they knew. Uh, so, but once I guess in the mid '80s when I started doing some work with uh, the AWA and was on ESPN, and my brother would be watching it, then they would see their son on TV. So I guess that's when she started saying her prayers about me stopping wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so you never broke it to them <laughs> no 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 and that's sort of like oh okay well and, and then after a while my my other siblings and my nieces and nephews well they thought it was cool you know because hey uh, uh uncle uncle michael's a wrestler and but she uh she, she was never really fond of it but all of a sudden, I, I would go over there, and she says, "Would well, you have an eight by 10 uh, Someone down the street wants one. So I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the way it worked out. Mike, I, so recently, uh, oh, oh, go ahead, hold Mike. on one second, Bruce, sorry. Um, before we get into the wrestling push, because I want to ask you about ESPN and the AWA, mm -hmm. you know, being that your father served, um, how, what's your feelings about the state of the country right now? Uh, it, it, it's sad that we're so divided. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a moderate, uh, but it, it's sad to see how people have, are, are in two completely different directions and nobody wants to try and meet in the middle. And unfortunately, it, it's probably going to, it's probably going to take some type of disaster or some type of, uh, external conflict to get people to forget about all this, uh, all this, this uh, silliness uh, of being completely on the left or completely on the right. Um, I'm somebody who's, who tends to stay right in the middle. Um, like compromise is the only way you're going to get anything done. And uh, it's sort of sad to see where we're at because we're sort of in a gridlock. Uh, nothing gets done. Uh, I don't like politicians myself because no one's ever left the congress poor so uh, i just see there's a lot of people out for themselves and 
they're not setting a good example. And again, some of the people just need to you know, to really uh, just sort of turn down the rhetoric and just say, okay, where do we have some commonality as opposed to just staying in the corners? But you know that that's that's going to be a hard thing to uh, to change, and it's going to take uh, it's going to take a 9/11 type of event to get people to sort of say, hey, we're all Americans, let's just work together and solve the problems we have. Mike, I hope you don't get mad at this comment, but I got to tell you, you you look like a politician. You got the looks. You you could sell. I think you I think you could sell, man. I think you'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, but, and, and then I'll be lying in my pockets, and I'll be I'll be working out. <laughs> I'll be like the I'll be like the guy in, um, uh, from from New York who got uh, who got kicked out. Except all uh, most of my stuff will be true. <laughs> Good stuff, Mike. Go ahead, Bruce. I didn't mean to cut so, you off. No, 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 no. So, well, like you said, we're gonna before we now we can get on to some of the wrestling portion of, of your career. So, mm-hmm. about a year ago, we had DC Drake in studio. What can you tell mm-hmm. us about him? I I know he had a lot of influence on your uh, early uh, startup in wrestling. Oh yeah, Don Don's a Don's a great guy. Uh, he was he was pretty much booking uh, the the shows that we were running out of. Uh, Easton. And um, then he also became involved with this, um, uh, with, I, I forget what, what which, which, the, what num what letters it was. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it had, it had some syndicated TV. And uh, we worked a lot in New Jersey, uh, New York, actually a little PA in Virginia. So Don was always, a, Don was always a good guy. And he was, he wasn't your typical wrestler. Uh, I think he was really big in, uh, in, in his career was social work. And um, that was, uh, it, when, when you talked with Don, you knew it wasn't, like say, your typical, uh, your, your typical wrestler. So the last time I saw Don was at a, um, a reunion show in, in, the, in a Philadelphia suburb. Um, and uh, he still looked good. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm friends with him on Facebook. We'll uh, you know we'll correspond a little bit here and there. But as far as indie wrestling, uh, he had a he had a tremendous influence on people, and he gave a lot of folks breaks. Yeah, when he was in studio, he uh, he came up, he came across about, about being very intelligent, right? Very well spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also friends with him on Facebook. He seem he seems to really understand the business aspect of wrestling for sure. Well, yeah, he did. Uh, and again, we used to wrestle in this VFW hall in uh, Easton, where we they, they had a they had to schlep the the ring up to the second floor. Uh, but you know, he got things going. And uh, as far as like sort of developing that sort of East Coast independent territory, uh, he was fairly well positioned. And, and I think he did understand, he did understand the business really well. Um, he, was, he got involved with some guys who were not wrestling people, and I think he was able to work with them uh, from the business side. And they, I think they trusted him because um, he, he did have business savvy in addition to understanding the whole wrestling business. So, so during that during that same interview, 
we had uh, somebody who may have taken a couple too, too many shots to the head. I, he calls himself the godfather of the extreme, Damian Kane. What can you tell us about him? I know you had, a, <laughs> had some running in with him, too. Oh, yeah. Damian was, uh, uh, Damian was my manager uh, for a long time in that group. Um, so uh, he, he was really good. He was an indie guy. Uh, who uh, was, was well-traveled, like a real early indie guy. And so uh, most of the times uh, when I first broke in, I was, I was um, uh, a baby face. And so I, 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 would, I would wrestle him. And uh, I learned a lot in terms of pacing. Uh, but then when I started working more on the, on the dark side, uh, he ended, ended up becoming my manager. And I think we worked really well together. Uh, you know, he, he was he was good from a manager standpoint because he didn't want to overshine uh, the, the people he was managing. So it was uh, he, he knew how to manage. So he really knows this, the, the business really well. I haven't seen him in years, but he still looks pretty good. Do you do you think, you know, again, a lot of wrestling fans are these mainstream guys, obviously, from TV and. As we've been doing the show, you start to realize all these other nuances within the business and all these like other groups and these other areas. Do you think like the two that Bruce just mentioned, do you think if they were given the opportunity, including yourself, um, you could have played in the big time? Oh, sure. Sure. No, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, the people say, well, you, do you ever regret that not happening? I said, well, you know, I don't know how that would have would have turned out. Um, of course, everybody would like to to have, have been there and gotten the break. And sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Uh, it it certainly helps what your what your last what your last name is. Uh, that's a that's a big influence. Uh, so certainly Don and um, and Damian uh, certainly could have been uh, players in that space. Uh, as far as myself is concerned, um, I don't know if I would take well to working some type of gimmick that wasn't uh, that wasn't me. Um, so it's sort of like I, I like the independence of working uh, in, working in indie wrestling, right? Because I can call my own shots in terms of what my personality is what my look is, what my gear is. So um, am, I, you know, am, I, am I heartbroken that that didn't turn out? No. Hmm. When was the moment that you decided that, hey, I'm going to give this professional wrestling thing a shot? I know you were an athlete in high school, good hockey player, good football player. Um, but when does something click that you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this wrestling thing? Well, that that's a funny story. I, um, uh, you know, I, I was a high school football player, uh, played ice hockey in college, and so I spent after after college I started spending more time in the gym, and I always liked wrestling, but I all about it. I didn't. I liked it from a different perspective than just a regular fan, and so uh, there was a sports agent at my gym who said, "Well, why don't you look into getting into it?" And I said, huh. and uh, I always thought I was too small, but 
at the time, I would say about maybe 230, 235. And um, I ended up meeting Larry Sharp. And, you know, we need, this is when, this is like early Monster Factory. And so he said, no, you have the size for it. And he said, come over. And, you know, Bull, he, he, he told me what the financial side of it was. And I said, okay. Uh, and then it, I would, that meant I would have had to go over to Jersey because I was living outside of Philadelphia at the time. And I'm like, mm, that's, that's a haul. And then simultaneously, I met another guy who uh, had, a, had a little bit of an indie career going, and he was opening up a school near me, very close. And I said, hmm, all right, well, what is he charging? So he was charging a lot less, no contract involved. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go with him. Now, I was trained in a stationary boxing ring. So <laughs> the, the, the training was hard. Uh, the first day I, I went to practice, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this because I was, I was, I was just trying to fall in a, um, in a uh, just basically almost on the floor. And so uh, th that's sort of how it happened. The, the second time I went back, we grappled around a little bit, and I said, okay, this sounds like this might work out. And, you know, I, I think Larry you know, really wanted me to go with him. And I think with Larry, he probably would have opened up uh, a lot more doors. But then I would have had to make that full-time commitment. I was like, okay, you have to go to Tennessee or you have to go to Texas. And so I broke in uh, probably just before uh, Bam Bam Bigelow did. So I saw him like setting up rings and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to set up rings and then, you know, go on the, go on the cards. So uh, I stayed with the guy that I was with and uh, sort of charted my path from there. Hmm. Now, you said you always liked wrestling. What wrestler turned you on to pro wrestling that you like i like this because of this this particular person well the the um the, the person that i liked in terms of a personality uh at that age was uh was dusty Rhodes. you know with the uh, with, with the boots and just the whole his whole uh his whole his whole presentation the other one that really, I, I think, as far as maybe even style is concerned, um, in the ring, uh, the person that I that I liked probably the most was uh, Don Morocco, mm. and I just liked the way that he he worked with the crowd. I liked the way that he um, that he worked in the ring. I liked his pace, um, and so that's. I think out of all the wrestlers in terms of style, that's what that, that's what uh, uh, that's what I think uh, I try to sort of pattern myself uh, after. So he was uh, he, he was a classic. Uh, I, I got to have um, uh, my my one of my birthdays over in Hawaii. Uh, I got him uh, to come out and uh, had a few drinks with him. And the guys, the guy's massive still. Mm. Um, but, uh, he, he always, he was always entertaining. I don't think I've ever seen him in a bad match. Now you mentioned before that you thought you were a bit small to, to break into this. Obviously you're a big dude. Did you hit the gas at all to try to, to try to get 
to that level? That's one thing that that I could that I could hang my hat on is that uh, I never went on the gas, um, because I knew that if I did, then I'd have to stay on it, because people don't want to see you like like jacked and looking great, and then now, all right, what happened? All right, you're off the gas, and you know the long term effects of being on the gas is uh, is not good, and. So my body really wasn't like the selling features. There's some guys who they're all about their body, but when they get in the ring, they don't do a whole lot. Um, so I didn't rely on my body. I just wanted it to be adequate enough uh, to pull it off uh, looking like a regular wrestler. So I was never like the, the bodybuilder type. I was more like the old-fashioned barrel-chested wrestler. Mm. So you mentioned the AWA ESPN. So I'm assuming you were still doing the wrestling part-time and you had a regular job. If I'm wrong, please correct me. How did you get involved with Vern's organization? And at some point, you're wrestling on ESPN, which is a big deal. Are you thinking, oh, man, I might have to... So I guess the question is, how did you get involved? And then were you thinking, I might have to do this full-time since I'm working this organization if this thing really catches fire well i mean that's where i thought uh, the uh, th that's where i thought things were going to happen um i was uh, not married at the time uh i um and this was a, this was a setup uh by mark tedler the guy that i was speaking about he was the one that got us hooked up and uh, i think gary juster was like the agent uh, and, uh, we did a show and it was at the, um, it was in Patterson, New Jersey. It was the first TV taping. And it was weird because it was a nine 30 start in the morning. Mm. So, um, Jack, uh, black Jack Lonza was, uh, was the agent working the, um, uh, working the locker room. And then, and then, you know, I was there as enhancement talent and he said, uh, so uh, he figured, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a baby face, you know, the way I look. And I said, no, no, I'm a heel, I'm a heel. And so I worked off, I worked the first match with um, uh, the High Flyers. Okay, so that was Greg, uh, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel. Uh, the second hour, <laughs> I worked with uh, Rick Martell. The third hour, I worked with uh, Kurt Hennig. Wow. And uh, and. The um, the feedback from uh, from the guys, I guess, back to Vern was really good. So uh, they always called me back. Uh, they had me bring people. Um, I said, "Do you have anybody else that could, you know that could, that could work?" All right. So I brought uh, you know, brought people in. Um, and so uh, I thought things were going to happen there. Uh, Vern, Vern liked me because I always threw a few token amateur moves in the matches so he could put them over on TV. Uh, so I, I knew what to do from that perspective. But when the AWA folded, um, and again, and they did have me do a few house shows uh, down at the, at the, the uh, I think it was the Baltimore Civic Center. Um, I'm like, oh, okay, this could be it. You know, they like me in the office. And then they moved out to Vegas, and then they folded. So that was that. 
but it was it was good exposure because uh, what happened? Uh, I, I was working. Uh, I worked a few matches with uh, Sergeant Slaughter, and this he started doing indie shows, and I I started getting booked with him, uh, and we were working. I was working top of the card on these indie shows with Slaughter. And uh, I kind of think it was probably him that put the word on to say, hey, uh, you know, is this guy Kalua on the card? Put me with him. And so it, it, it did grease the skids for me getting more indie work. So can't, I, I, couldn't, I, I, I can't complain about that experience at all. I love the fact that you worked Vern. So you're talking about working. You knew that Vern liked <laughs> amateur style, so you worked him. You, you kind of tricked him, huh? <laughs> Well, you know what? It was it, part of my repertoire. Not used that often, but you know, I pulled it out. Of, we'll pull it out of the box. What, but what was an what was AWA cool? payday like? Well, you know, it was. It, it, it you couldn't live off of it, but for me, it was all right on the indie side. Uh, and, and the thing is, it was funny. I thought, you know, when I worked the Baltimore Civic Center, hey, I'm going to get a bigger payday. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> but now, 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 I don't know if anybody was getting a taste of that, you know, because the guy that 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 Mark who sent us down there, I don't know if he was getting a little bit off the top too, because hey, I'm, I'm giving you some talent here, or if he was just doing it just to uh, just to give us a break, all right. But uh, either way, though, like I said, it really wasn't so much about the money; it was really about it, it was really about the exposure. Mm. I'm going to jump so, ahead, and then it, Bruce is going to take over. On the table is Todd is God, right? Great book. Todd's been on the show twice. Good man. Hmm? You worked for Todd. Oh, at least I think he's a good man. I may not know any different. Um, I've heard otherwise. Um, I'm going to ask you, how did you get involved with Todd, and what type of person was Todd with you? Todd, Todd, was, Todd was great with me. Um, I didn't stick around when the ECW really, really blew up into what it became. Um, but uh, back when Todd first started, the folks that were doing the booking for him was uh, AJ Petruzzi and uh, a guy named Larry Winters. So we uh, that, that's how I got involved with them and how I got involved with the ECW. And... Um, the thing, one thing came after another, and then, you know, I didn't get booked as much, and then I wasn't pushing it. Um, I, I wasn't uh, a, a big fan of that whole style. Um, again, I'm more of old school, so uh, some of the stuff that they were doing really wasn't my style. And if it drew that type of audience, they wouldn't necessarily like my style anyway. So it was sort of... You know, it, it wasn't. It was nothing negative uh, that I had with Todd. We just sort of went. Um, it just, I just wasn't getting booked anymore, which was okay because I had bookings elsewhere. Last time, in fact, I seen Todd was at Larry Winner's funeral. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I have nothing bad to say about Todd. He seemed like a good guy. Did he know the business, in your opinion? Uh. He was learning. At the time that I, at the time I met him, he was learning. All right, and so by the time that he got to the point of the of the real ECW period, 
Um, by that time, I guess he had smartened up or thought he had smartened up. But um, at the time that I met him, he was still he was still green to the business. Bruce, you're on. Okay. Oh, sounds good. So earlier you were mentioning that you got to work with Sergeant Slaughter on the Indies through a bunch of circuits. Most people don't realize that on the Indie circuits you can actually get to see some major stars as they're competing in between federations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Over the course of time, who was the uh, who was the best of well, who did you enjoy working with the most? I I, I did really like working with Slaughter. Because it, he was uh, he was so over as a babyface, and for me, um, it was uh, it, it was so much easy. It was so easy for me to work with him. Uh, another person who I found it easy to work with, and I got booked with, was Jimmy Snuka. Um, and uh, again, with him being so over with people, uh, it just you know for me it, it was so, it was so easy. Um, the other folks I worked with that I really liked, enjoyed working with, Tito, uh, Santana was good. Um, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the older guys now. Um, I actually had two matches with superstar Billy Graham and, uh, he was, he was good to work with, um, work with Jules Strongbow. Uh, Jules was good to work with. I, I didn't think there was too many people who I didn't uh, really say. Well, no, that was really that was I was getting into my next question. Was there anybody who just you know, was so over, but when you got him into the ring, you were just like, "Oh man, this guy shouldn't be here." Well, you know what? Uh, in my role, it was it was really to to really work with these guys and get the most out of them. And so I, I don't, I can't really say if there was anybody that said, oh man, this guy's a real dog. You know, there are some guys that did more than others. Um, but for the most part, uh, I really, I really can't on, say anything bad about the guys I worked with. <laughs> I'm, I'm being, I'm being a politician now, so. <laughs> well, I, I got to put you on a spot now, Mike. So it's like, you know, mm -hmm. you're working with all these guys and some of them are coming out of the big time and now they're going to more the indie route. I'm sure that's got to be a little tough on them in some sort of way. But, mm -hmm. I mean, let me ask you this. Did anyone ever treat you less than because they felt they were better than? No, I never, uh, I, I never uh, felt that way with anybody who I worked with. You know, there was um, I think the one match that I worked with. I forget. I, I worked with that with uh, that guy uh, Test, who is no longer with us, and I didn't think he really knew who I was. So you know, I don't think uh, I got as much out of him as I could have. Um, but again, he he had just come back from being hurt too. So. Uh, a lot of guys who are the, the guys who had these big runs, uh, who didn't know who I was and didn't know my background, um, and, and even guys who, who do know me, uh, some of these guys are, uh, are afraid of working with guys who they don't know. Mm. Um, I, had, I had a match with uh, Steve Williams, uh, Dr. Death. Uh, this was in this, this reunion show. 
and um, a guy by the name of Sal Conti booked me with him. And he was concerned because this was his first match back from having cancer. And uh, he's like, well, you know, is, is this guy all right, meaning me? And he said, no. He said, you're, you're in good hands. So, and, and, it, and it worked out fine. How, so, how, how yeah. does it feel? Because this is the general theme of this whole thing, right? That every one of these guys, when they finally get to wrestle with you, they hold you in such high esteem because you can work with everybody. How does that make you feel, even this being a part-time gig, that you're so good at it that all these guys love you? Well, you know, um, it, it is. It does make you feel good. Uh, it, but it, it, I think it's a it, it's it's a testament for my longevity in this business. You know, uh, when I tell people, yeah, I've worked with superstar Billy Graham and Dory Funk Jr. and um, Nick Bockwinkle, they're like, "Wow, you work with those guys!" And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it it does make you feel good when you're held in that uh, in that esteem. And and now. Um, I'm at the point now where I'm wrestling these young guys who are coming online and they're, it's almost like, it's almost like role reversal. You know, even though I'm not a big name, they know that I've been around and have a reputation in the Indies. And it's like, wow, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to wrestle you. And I'm like, Hey kid, someday you're going to have that opportunity. And so it, it, it almost came, it, it's almost like 360. It just comes right back around. But uh, yeah, it does feel good to be able to uh, have that perceived uh, reputation. Now you just brought up now so you're working with these younger guys. How hard is that for you, right? Because you grew up in a different time, and the the game has changed with these younger wrestlers, right? Number one, they're much smaller. Number two, they're spot you know spot jumping all over the place. Mm -hmm. How does that feel for you? I you know as number one being a professional, and number two working with them. Well, for me, it's a challenge. Uh, and it, and it's a challenge that, that that's what I enjoy. Uh, but you know, I still work old school. I, I, I work with, I, I work with the crowd. Um, I'm more, I tell people I blow up more, uh, hollering at people in a rest hold than I do when I'm running a spot. Right. Because I want, I want there to be noise constantly, even if it's me chattering and if it's me bantering with somebody in the front row or whatever. Um, but I've had young guys come up to me and, and watch my match and, uh, get, they weren't wrestling. They were watching from behind and they're saying, Oh, sir, I, I really want to wrestle with you someday. I think, I, I think that's, that's so amazing. The stuff that you do. And <clears throat> it's because people don't wrestle that way anymore. So I'm really like a novelty, uh, because every, like what you're saying, uh, first of all, the guys are smaller. Uh, and even at my age, you know, I'm in probably better shape than, you know, <laughs> sometimes 90% of the guys on the card. Um, so I have that. I have my ring gear is, is, is usually second to none. And my ability to get heat from the crowd is, um, you know, the young kids don't know how to do that. And so I still, at, at my age, consider my work rate fairly high so um the the young guys are amazed by that and uh i, I think a lot of them are like oh yeah I'm, can, can you can i get booked with you and i said 
don't talk to me. Um, but again, even the crowd is not used to seeing what I bring to the table. And so uh, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it's like a midget match, but it, it almost is because it's like, wow, well, what's this? This is different. This is different than the product that I'm seeing through the rest of the card. And so, yeah, you know, that's that, that's what I think that's what keeps me going. Did you ever ever so wrestle that... any of these younger kids, and they ended up, you know, ended up in AEW or anything like that? Or you you wrestled some kid? You like, you know what? This kid's got it. Oh yeah, there's there's a there's a couple of kids that uh, <laughs> that that uh, I, I know are, are pretty good and and have some talent, and I know they could go somewhere. Uh, Thing is, it's funny. Uh, sometimes I tell people I have CTE uh, because I've been wrestling so long, and so I can't remember some of these young guys who I've wrestled. Um, and I'll see them in the locker room. So yeah, I wrestled you like like ten years ago, or five years ago, or eight years ago. And there's some of them I know they're probably in the in, in WWE now. Uh, it's certainly uh, some that probably are in are in the AEW. And uh, it's just I don't remember I don't remember wrestling, but yeah, there's a lot of good young kids that are out there that I wrestle now. Uh, it's just that they're not that big. Mm. Um, the one thing I'm also impressed about is, you know, most people wear makeup. Road Warriors, Ultimate Warrior. You use stickers, right? Is that what you use on your face? What made you come mm -hmm. up with that idea? Well, when I was, um, uh, I guess it, uh, maybe it was it was when I first started. Uh, I went to a, a Halloween party, and there was this uh, during Halloween. There was a company that made these stickers, and they were painted up. And I said, I'm going to wear these as like face paint at the Halloween party. So then I said, you know what? I said, it would be interesting to see if I could wear these in the ring. And so uh, the first show I, that I wrestled with them on, I think it was a show that uh, Afa, the Samoan, was running. And I stuck them on, and they stayed on. And I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Because normally when people you know, have paint, that comes off in the first four or five minutes. And by the end, but by, by the end of the match, it's totally gone. And so I'm like, well, you know, the face paint thing really isn't me, but this is pretty cool. And so uh, I wrote to the company, and the company sent me a whole bunch of them, and then I finally ran out. So I uh, found some place uh, at, at a happy hour, and I was talking to some some woman who worked for a company that made this medical paper and it had the same texture as the, as the stickers that I was wearing. So I got these, um, these, these paint, uh, pencils that you would get for t-shirts and I made my design and I started wearing those and they stayed on. I would say I've been wearing these since about 1988. I think I've only lost two that fell off. Um, and so if I had to paint my face, I wouldn't do it. This is mm. too much work and it, and it comes off. And if it's in the summer, forget it. It's going to, it's going to just melt right off. Even, even trying to paint it is a problem. But these things, I, it, it takes me a while to paint them, 
but I put them on. It takes a minute or less. Just peel them off, put them on. When I'm done, I take them off. I can actually wear them uh, a second time if I want to, but I can match them exactly to the uh, to the trunks that I'm wearing. And if you're far away, you can't tell it's a sticker. You just think it's paint. You did you trademark that? Did were you able to trademark that? No, well, not really, because the company that I bought them from apparently probably already did. So I'm just like, okay, uh, I'll, someone's going to steal it at some point, but no one has. So okay, I'm, uh, I'm I'm coming I'm coming down to the uh, you know to the to the last lap, and no one <laughs> stole them yet. So I'm okay. I guess that I guess my question is, good-looking guy, right? I know you you were a heel. Why'd you feel like you wanted to cover your face? It was just uh, something else, uh, just to make me look different. One of the things I, I tell people, uh, that the young kids who I, you know, sometimes I'll go and train people or I'll do a seminar here and there. Uh, one thing I tell them is you got to be different. You have to stick out because um, wrestlers now, there's so many schools. The wrestlers are a dime a dozen. What makes you stick out? What makes you different? And so that's one of the reasons why you know i uh, i wear that you know now that i'm now that i'm older i'm not as good looking though i'm much gray hair and stuff like that <laughs> you know wrestlers a dime a dozen podcasts are a dozen the whole world is in an uproar anyone can be anything anymore right <laughs> yeah right exactly exactly Mike, uh, we're going to hit you with a final question. I want to again thank you for joining the show. It's an honor to have you on, and, and thank you. Bruce, final question for the great King Kalua. All right, all right. So you've trained many wrestlers, um, including a friend of ours, Tom Brandy and Steve Carino. How do you feel about their successes and accomplishments, and uh, do you think that they ended up outshining what you've ended up doing? Oh yeah, I think they both uh, made out much better than than I did in terms of the uh, in terms of what they've been able to experience. Uh, Tom and I are best friends. Uh, we were best men at both uh, at each each uh, other's weddings, so I, I'm really tight with Tom. And Tom really, um, I just wish he got a better a, a better deal with WWE because. Uh, this guy had everything. He had the looks. Uh, he had the body. He understood wrestling. He was a good athlete. And um, the, the way he got used, um, again, last name, didn't have anybody behind him. So uh, it, it didn't, he didn't get as much traction as I thought he deserved. Uh, I remember watching him wrestle um, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, and you know, he was sort of bringing Dwayne Johnson along. And I'm like, oh, man, I said, uh, he, he should be, you know, he should be getting over. So uh, Tom's, uh, Tom's really good. And again, we still wrestle in cards together. We still travel together. As far as, as, far as uh, a wrestler and, and someone who I wrestled with, I haven't wrestled with anybody more than with Tom. Um, now, Steve, I, I will I, – I, I love Steve. Steve is such a um, such a, a, a devotee to the business. I mean, he respects wrestling, and um, I got to wrestle him 
when he was just breaking in. And uh, I think he, his, his early career, he really appreciated having the ability to, uh, to wrestle with an experienced guy because at the time, he was getting a good push, but he was working with like a lot of guys from the schools and the guys who really weren't experienced. And so when he got in the ring with me, um, he got to see what it was like to um, not worry about all the spots, but worry about uh, what this overall match looked like over the get uh, all together. So um, he's he's really respectful respectful of the business and. Uh, I think he's doing really well with uh, where he's at now, especially as a trainer, because I think he uh, I think he uh, that's something that's that he's cut out to do. You know, Mike, if we were friends, I could have helped you with your career. I would have named you King McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I want to thank you for joining us again. It's an honor. Right. I want you to have a wonderful weekend and. Keep on wrestling. Thank you for what you've done for this industry and the fans. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully oh, somewhere thank up you. on the line we can, we can do something again. I really, uh, really had a good time. Well, you were fantastic. Thank you again, Mike. Okay. Thank you. Good night, guys. Good night. Happy holidays. Good night. Happy holidays. Bruce, what would you think? Hey. Hey, uh, hey! For not feeling well, you had a lot of uh, a lot of input on that one. I know. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it just the, kept uh... flowing. I'm like, hey, all right. I had a couple <laughs> other questions I wanted to ask him, but we'll get them next time. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Hey, you know what? That's called passive aggressive behavior, Bruce. You know that, right? <laughs> you know what that is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I got. <laughs> hey, listen. Can't have hey, gaps in the show, mind. man. When you have your window to ask a question and it's dead air, I kept getting over. I kept getting over every time I went to open my mouth. You were ready to go, so you were you were there the whole time. Can't wait! So can't wait a second, time. brother. Can't wait a hey. second. But you did a good job, man, Bruce. Thank you for helping hey, out tonight. Hey, Mike, Mike, thank you, thank you. We'll, we'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you the next day or so. Hey, everybody, make sure you check out Wrestling Remembered. On it's going to be Wednesday. We're not sure what time we're going to go live, but it will be uh, sometime on Wednesday and. Don't forget to check out the 30 True Crimes with, with Benny and the, the Bad Girl, Monty and the Pharaoh Show, and everything else on the network. And you know what? It just keeps growing, and I want to thank everybody out there. We'll see you guys next week where uh, we have Oh, and Twin Bill. Studio... Twin Bill. I forgot Twin Bill. What's that? The Twin Bill's the other one, right? If I, I keep forgetting to mention that one. Yeah, that's a... Why do you forget the Twin Bill? You do that on purpose? I notice it's no, not on your background either. You just don't like that. Well, show, I don't do have you? Dan and Benny. I don't have Dan and Benny up here either. But I got to get them. I just we have to space this out, you know. So anyway, Listen, I, threw this I knew you, quick. Before we go, I know you made it about yourself, but the question was, what did you think about the Great King Kalua? That's what I wanted to ask. But you you, you made it uh, all about awesome. yourself. Hey, so. hey, well, what better subject? <laughs> no, right. King Kalua was awesome. That was a great interview. He was a lot of fun. Uh, really, I, I wasn't as familiar with his work until I started doing some research this afternoon, and I, I came up with so much stuff. I mean, I have a page worth of, of information on him here, and yeah, he, he's done a lot. If you really want to learn about somebody who's been there and done that, that's a man to check out. I, I got to tell you, in this wrestling world, there's so many, I don't want to call it secrets, right? But if you're not 
you know, if you're like me, right, you don't know, you haven't really ventured into the indies too much. When you start finding out guys like, like Mike, it's like it's amazing um, how important they are for the industry. You know what I'm saying? And again, yeah, I, I don't have his influence. Well, I don't think it could be understated, Bruce, that this is a guy that all these other guys come and they wrestle him and they want to continue to work with him because he's that good. It's amazing yeah. how he doesn't get that opportunity to work for one of the major federations, you know? No, especially being up here in the Northeast back in the in the prime time. I mean, they were going really just between Allentown, uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, Westchester, Long Island, and Boston. I mean, that was pretty much the work. Well, you know, again, um, amazing interview, great guy, very impressive. And I'm even more impressed he didn't hit the gas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's a big dude, Everybody man, right? in that era. All right, next yeah. week I want everybody to join us. We've got Keith Elliott Greenberg. Uh, he gets to meet Monty and the Pharaoh. That's uh, going to be a little bit different, huh? <laughs> that should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear hear about uh, the creation of that encyclopedia and some of the other the other behind-the-scenes stuff. He seems to be really well-liked by a lot of wrestlers, and uh, it's going to be fun to hear some of his stories. Got to tell you, man, it's great to be part of something like this. And, again, as always, I want to tell everybody out there, thank you again for joining us on Thursday nights. Um, it's an honor for you guys to, to join us every week. And... Uh, so much love to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week. Love you all. Bruce, send us out. All right. Until next week, we will see you later.